welcome to the All Things Overlanding podcast. My name is Fletch, and I'll be your host. Are you ready for some great overlanding content? Then let's get into it. Hey everybody, Fletch from All Things Overlanding here. On today's episode of the podcast slash vlog, we are going to be talking about winter overlanding must-haves. So, you know, I went last weekend on a winter trip. It got down in the 20s at night. It was a little chilly. Um, and it made me think back to like earlier on when I went, we used to try and go in the winter and I just was not prepared. I didn't have the right gear. I didn't know what to expect. Definitely an important topic to get right if you want to have a good first overlanding winter trip or camping trip in the winter. Um, so again, just wanted to talk through some of the must-haves for that on this episode. If you're new to the podcast or vlog and you're watching on YouTube, welcome. Uh, this channel is basically about overlanding stuff. I talk a lot about do-it-yourself modifications to vehicles and to gear. Um, I do a lot of gear reviews. I do trip reports about overlanding trips that I've taken, that kind of stuff. So if that's something you're interested in, definitely click that subscribe button. Click the bell to be notified when new videos drop, and I'd love to have you in the comments. So really quickly, before we dive into the video, did just want to touch on my featured partners. Um, Overland Addict is a fantastic overlanding shop. They have pretty much everything to do with overlanding. I am actually next month picking up a new 180 degree uh, OVS awning, which I'm very excited about. So click through that link in the description to check them out and everything that he's got because there's a ton of good stuff and I know he just got a shipment in. So there's some cool stuff to be had on there for sure. Um, Last US Bags. Fantastic maker of overlanding themed bags. So if you click through that link below, it will take you to their recreation page, which kind of shows you all the different stuff they've got from trasheroo style trash bags to gear roll or yeah, like tool rolls, things like that, um, to like awesome bags that are meant for like carrying cooking stuff or, you know, tools, that sort of stuff. Um, so definitely check that out as well. And then more expo is coming up here really soon february 13th and 14th i plan to be there there's a lot of people that are going to be there tons of vendors it's going to be an amazing event Um, but so click through and get your tickets now before it's too late for that otherwise then we'll be seeing you next year i'm sure Um, and then last but not least northology adventures uh, free fantastic digital magazine for overlanders Uh, it has tons of stuff about outdoors you know escaping to nature Um, actually in the february issue i'm going to have an article so if you want to read that definitely click through that link in the description below and get signed up again it's totally free so let's dive into the winter overlanding must-have gear and just preparation stuff So as I mentioned up top, uh, today we're talking about what you need to have, like at a bare minimum, right? Like at least the things you need to think about prior to going on like a winter overlanding slash camping trip. Um, You know, I'm going to break this up into a few different sections, as always, just to kind of try and make it as concise as possible and helpful for you guys. I'm going to add chapters to this video as well, like I've been doing with most of my videos recently. Again, my goal is just to get you guys the best possible content, right? So I want to break it up in a way that's digestible. I want to break it up in a way that's helpful. Um, any feedback that you guys have, of course, post up in the comments below. I love to hear from you guys. Um, but let's get into it. So the first part that I wanted to talk about was sort of a combo of shelter slash heat. 
And those kind of go hand in hand, in my opinion, because, you know, your shelter can determine how warm you're going to be overnight. So you want to make sure that you are appropriately set up from a shelter standpoint, and also that based on whatever your shelter is, that you've got an appropriate amount of heat generation devices or uh, gear, like layers of clothes, blankets, that sort of stuff. Um, so the reason that I combine these two is your shelter may, you know, greatly impact what stuff you have to bring to stay warm. For example, on this trip that I went on about a week ago, um, there were a couple guys that slept in hammocks with tarps over them, and they were fine. But they brought really nice underquilts. They had layers on. They had some nice, you know, gear that that kept them warm, some higher-end, um, you know, jackets and things like that, down jackets and things that, that kept them warm. So if you're going to be in a hammock and you're going to be up off the ground and have that air underneath of you, then you need to think about something like an underquilt, something that's going to keep you warm in that hammock. Um, maybe as a backup or as an additional thing, some sort of like chemical hand warmers or electric hand warmers or something like that, right? But without those, typically, you know, those, those heat generating devices, it's a little bit harder to stay warm in a hammock, again, unless you have the right layers, the right gear, the right underquilt, that kind of stuff. If you're in a tent, so one of the guys and, and his wife that came, they had a really nice brand new gazelle tent. And everybody was really curious. They're like, man, these are really expensive, really nice tents. Is it going to be super well insulated? Is it going to, you know, kind of work like a ground-based Four Seasons rooftop tent? And the verdict the next day was, well, no, not really. I mean, it's still just a tent, right? It gets cold inside the tent. It stays cold inside the tent unless you warm it up. So, you know, in the case of a tent, again, the, the benefit versus a hammock is you are enclosed now, right? So you could have a propane heater in there. You could have a diesel heater that you're piping in, you know, to heat the tent and the ambient temperature inside the tent to raise that. Um, they slept on an air mattress, which is similar to the hammock because then once you're up off the ground, that cold gets into the air below you and can make you colder. So that's something to think about. I mean, that's pretty much anything though, right? You're either sleeping on the cold ground or you're sleeping above it and then the cold air gets underneath of you, right? Um, so having, you know, hand warmers, having, it's kind of the same solution, right? There's a set number of things that you can use to generate heat. Um, and one thing that I want to say too early on in this episode is Never, ever, ever rely 100% on your, you know, some sort of like a mechanical heat source. So like, for example, a propane-based Mr. Buddy heater. Great in theory, right? Um, but I have seen people that bring those things out, and if it's cold enough, their propane tank will actually freeze, and the propane stops coming out, and the heater shuts off. And they don't have any options. There is nothing that they can do at that point. They are done until that thing unfreezes. And if that was your only source of heat, then you are kind of screwed, right? Like there's not a lot that you can do. So that's why it's important to have multiple different options when it comes to staying warm. Um, so, and then last we'll go to the rooftop tent and then I'll talk a little bit about those different types, right? The layers, the the propane, the diesel, we'll talk about that here in a second too. But so the fourth kind, or fourth kind, third kind is the rooftop tents, right? So that's what I did. I had my rooftop tent. Um, Similar to a regular ground tent, except on top of the roof, right? Um, I will say that mine has a two-inch uh, foam pad in it. Then I have an additional two inches of foam, memory foam pad on top of that. And then I have an additional two inches on top of that. So I had six inches of foam below me. So as far as like a, a cold barrier, that actually worked really well. Um, I have a zero degree Coleman bag. I'll link to all, anything that I mentioned in this, I'll link down below too in case you guys are looking for a good bag that's inexpensive. My Coleman bag was about 40 bucks on Amazon. It's a zero degree bag. 
That is a survival rating though. That is not a comfort rating. So even in the 20 degree temperature, if I had just had my sleeping bag, I would have been a little chilly. I would have been okay, but I would have been a little chilly. So, but if I had just had that bag, I would have been a little bit chilly. So I had to layer up. I had to, you know, bring other other options for myself as well. But from a warmth standpoint, I was actually really impressed with my rooftop tent. Um, I have the Off-Grid Raptor Series rooftop tent. It has very thick, good quality canvas. Um, and so I've noticed that in the winter, it actually really helps hold that heat in. Um, it also holds in the condensation a little bit, right? So you've got to be aware of that. You've got to kind of vent down the windows to try and lessen that as much as possible. And then you have to deal with that the next day. When you wake up, especially if you've used a propane heater, which also generates condensation, um, then you may have a wet roof of your tent, right? And if you really do it, if you don't vent it at all and you have a propane heater running, um, then you run the risk of you know soaking your stuff, like it getting wet enough from condensation that it actually runs down the side walls of the tent and soaks your gear, which puts you in a really bad spot. So you really don't want to do that either. Um, but overall, I think, in my opinion, and this is why I have a rooftop tent, I was really pleased with the performance in 20 degree temperatures. Um, and if I had to, to pick out of those three, aside from the setup, which is a little bit of a pain in the butt compared to the other two, um, honestly, I think hammocks are kind of a pain to set up too, although I love hammocks. Um, the gazelle tent was probably the quickest one up. It took him less than a minute to set that thing up, not including the rain fly. Um, mine, it probably took me two or three minutes to set up. So it's not like it was, you know, night and day, but it was definitely a difference. Um, same with tearing down in the morning when it's 20 degrees and your hands are freezing a rooftop tent with a vinyl cover can be a little bit of a pain to get back together and all closed down and strapped up um, so those are the different types right you could do hammock you could do tent you could do rooftop tent um, i'm sure there's something in there that i'm missing um, but so now here are your options for staying warm in all those different uh different shelters right the most important one in my opinion is going to be layers and clothing so you know the, the ground zero of staying warm in the winter is going to be your clothes. If you come in jeans with, you know, ankle height socks and tennis shoes and a t-shirt and a fleece shirt and a jacket, you're going to freeze. Like you were going to, that's how I used to camp. When I first started, I was like, I'm a man, I'm tough. I'm, I'm not wearing underwear, long underwear. You know, I'm not going to do that. I don't know why I thought that, but I did. And, uh, but I froze. I hated it. I mean, I still went and I would tough it out and I would just shiver all night and I wouldn't sleep at all and it was miserable. Um, but so start with your clothes. Um, I may have mentioned this in a video or two before, but so like my basic setup, again, does not have to be expensive. You don't have to go to REI and buy all the like top of the shelf, North Face, this and that. You don't have to spend $600 on your winter clothes. Um, Basically, my setup is I have I put on a regular pair of socks, like ankle height, normal socks that I wear every day. Then I put a pair of uh, wool socks. They're about calf height, wool socks over that. Um, and then I do literally six dollar cheap sweatpants from Walmart that I bought like three years ago and I still use. Um, so cheap, just a layer, right? Just another layer to get it underneath of my pants. Then I wear my like tactical sort of pants that just have a lot of pockets to make things easy to get to, keys, wallet, pocket knife, that sort of stuff. Um, so I've got two layers of pants, two layers of socks. Um, and then up top, that's kind of the most important part. That's where your heart is. That's where it's pumping that blood out to try and circulate to your body. Um, I wear a t-shirt. I wear a long sleeve shirt. I wear a fleece, sort of like a quarter zip like this. And then I generally wear, if it gets colder, then I'll throw on, I do have a like, 
20-year-old North Face jacket that I've had since, like, high school. Um, that is a down jacket. It's dirty. It's filthy. It's beat up. But, you know, I don't care when I'm out there camping and picking up firewood and getting all dirty anyways. So when it starts to get cold, I throw that on over top. So I've got four layers up top, two on my legs, and then two on my feet. Um, that has worked out really well for me, down to, like, zero degrees. Um, if you knew you were going to be in zero degrees, especially if you're going to be out there for multiple days at a time, wear more layers. Put on two layers of wool socks over your regular socks. Put on a third layer of pants, right? Put on an extra jacket, an extra fleece or something over top of your stuff. Like the more layers you have, you can always take them off, but you can't put them on if you don't have them, right? So start with your clothes, layer those up. And then view the rest of the heating solutions as backups. Because again, you do not want to rely exclusively on hand warmers, for example. Now, chemical hand warmers are pretty uh, dependable, but they do age. They do have expiration dates. So like if you've had them sitting in your basement for 10 years and then you pull them out and you go on your trip and that's what you're counting on to keep you warm and they don't really get warm, like you're in trouble, right? So you have to view anything external to your layers as a nice to have, but not a must have to survive. So then the propane heaters, right? Again, this could work for a tent. This would actually work pretty well for a tent. You want to be careful. I mean, like the, the Mr. Buddy heaters have an O2 sensor so that they are meant to shut off if they hit a certain point. I mean, then you're kind of relying, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of a, if you get enough carbon monoxide, it could be a deadly situation in the tent. Um, so you still want to vent the tent a little bit. You want to be careful. You want to make sure that you have something that has like a knockover sensor and or an O2 sensor so that it, it will shut itself off. But those problems I mentioned earlier still exist, right? Like propane's pretty inefficient. Propane creates condensation. So you're going to have water inside of your tent when you wake up the next morning, frozen to the roof and the walls. Um, and then also the biggest thing, which I hadn't really even thought about until the last year probably, is propane tank freeze so when it's already really cold as it's venting that propane it gets even colder inside you may have noticed that if you're like running a propane stove or something you start to see like frozen condensation on the outside of your like one pound propane tank on your stove um, especially when it's cold out that's going to become even more of a problem I noticed with my stove when I went last weekend um, that it was sort of starting to sputter a little bit and I was like oh shoot I'm not gonna be able to cook my food <laughs> You know, so that's another thing is if you're using propane as your, your cooking source, have backups, have a little small fire pit that you can throw some embers in and cook your food over if you need to, or have a grate or something, or some sort of a non-heated alternative, like a mountain house meal or something that you could use other than you have to boil water in most cases too. So just have options, right? Like do not bring one one heating, heating source, do not bring one meal because you could get there and you could be in trouble. Um, if, if that doesn't work and in the winter, everything changes, right? Um, then diesel heater, diesel heaters are probably like my top of the line, like the best bet there's cost associated with them though. Even the cheapest ones are 150 to 200 bucks. Then you have to build them into some sort of a case or something like that to make them portable. Um, you still have to bring diesel fuel with you. Then you have to be prepared to run it off of fuel. You also have to have a battery, which not a lot of people think about, but it has to be a fairly good size battery too, because it does especially on startup, it takes a pretty good amount of energy to get that thing heated up and running. Um, now, once it's running, it sips fuel and it sips battery and it gets better. But again, that's just one of those things where what if you get there and the glow plug fails and the thing won't fire? I mean, that's that's a real possibility. So again, you can't... It's like my kids all the time when we get ready to leave the house in the winter to like run to the store. They're like, well, we're just running down the street. And I'm like, I don't care. You have to have socks on. You have to put shoes on. You have to wear a jacket. Because you never know. We could get, you know, maybe we mom calls and we have to go run an errand somewhere else that's farther out and the truck breaks down out in the middle of nowhere and then we got to walk two miles to get back, right? 
unlikely in, an, in a suburban area like where I live, but it's possible, right? So it's always better to be prepared and not need it than it is to not be prepared and get yourself in trouble. Um, so, and then kind of final external stuff. So we've talked about your layers, which is all on you, right? Your clothes, that's important. The propane options, the uh, diesel options. These other ones I would just call external heat sources that are that are not fuel-based, right? So chemical hand warmers, rechargeable electric hand warmers. I keep all of those on me. I've got a whole bunch of chemical hand warmers. So again, if they fail, then I've got my electric hand warmers. Same with vice versa. If the, the if I didn't charge up the electric ones, I can go to the chemical ones. Um, I always have my wool blanket with me. So a wool blanket makes a huge difference. I literally lay my wool blanket down in my rooftop tent put my sleeping bag on top of it, and then fold it over like a burrito or like a taco and just wrap myself in the wool blanket. That gives me a barrier underneath. It wraps me up on top. It keeps the heat inside. Um, and that has worked really, really well for me. Just I Most of the time, I just do that. If I get really cold, I can throw you know a hand warmer or two in the sleeping bag with me and I'm good. You could take a, a water bottle and heat it up, put that in there with you, but you risk spilling it or getting wet, which is risky. Um, what I have gone to recently prior to like going to like a diesel heater or, or all that complexity and additional stuff that I have to do and money I have to spend is I bought a $20 DC heated blanket. It's not the most efficient, but it probably draws about 50 watts. Um, on my little 300 watt hour Primex uh, portable battery, I can run it for about six hours before it kills the battery. So what I do is I put that thing in there, I lay my wool blanket down, put my zero degree bag on top of that, put my heated blanket on top of that, and then put the wool blanket over the whole thing. And then I have my little battery sitting right here and then I'll run it for the first half hour, hour while I'm going to sleep, and then I'll just press the button and turn it off. And if I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm freezing, boom, you just turn it on, give it five, 10 minutes and you're warm again, let it go for a little bit till you start to get nice and comfy, turn it off. And then that way I can go through the whole night um, and stay warm and, and not have to worry about it, but also not rely on it all night, right? Um, so I actually really like that option. I'll put a link to that down below too. I've been really, really happy with it. It doesn't get like the hottest. It's not like gonna burn your skin hot, but it adds, you know, enough of that extra temperature that it makes it really nice uh, when you're in, you know, zero degree weather. So that kind of covers shelter and heat, right? There are a ton of options for shelters. There are a ton of options for heat. There are pros and cons for each one. But at a minimum, you have to think about what your shelter is going to be and about what the, the best option from a heating standpoint is. Because again, I'm going to tell you, that first time you go, if you freeze all night and you shiver to death all night, it's just not, you're not going to have a good time. Um, so part number two, recovery. This one is kind of self-explanatory if you've been, you know, off-roading, uh, overlanding for any period of time. It's one of those things where you just always want to have it, but particularly in the winter because it could be a life-threatening situation if you get stuck. Um, perfect example, uh, I, I mentioned I went on a trip last weekend. While I was there, I went into a normal site that I had been to a million times before, and there's kind of a rutted kind of two-track that runs the entrance into this site. And I've been through it a million times, but it's been a couple years since I've been in this site and there were a couple other rigs. So I was like, this is a bigger site. Let's go here, right? So I pull up to that place and I get to that two track and I'm like looking at it and it's all covered with snow. So you can't really see, but I'm like, man, it looks like it's kind of rutted out. It looks like maybe some, you know, big old Jeeps or something have come through here and kind of torn this up. And everybody's like, no, you can, you'll be fine. You can do it. And I was like, I think I'm going to get stuck. Like, I just have a feeling I'm going to get stuck. And they're like, well, do it. And I, you have a winch. And I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I do. Um, so I go into it in two-wheel drive again, just kind of a little bit of speed, but trying to kind of crawl it a little bit. I get partway in and I start to bog a little bit. And I put it in four high and I move a couple inches further and then I feel my diff start to drag. 
put it in four low. At that point, it's too late. I'm high centered. My right passenger side uh, rear wheel is hanging. It's not even touching anything. Uh, my diff is sitting on the, the mud in the rear, and my front's just going like this. I'll put a video up here of it because I did get it on video, my recovery with my winch. Um, but again, if I hadn't had a winch, honestly, so and I didn't really think about this, and this was my own fault. When I went into it, I was like, oh, I'll get out of here somehow, right? Luckily, again, I had a winch, but once I got in there and I started to look ahead of me, there was no way. There were trees everywhere. There's no way that one of these other guys could have gone around me or bypassed me and gotten in front of me and gotten enough room to run up and pull me out. And I mean, I was stuck. I was stuck, stuck. So again, luckily I had a winch, which is part of why I did it, because I knew that I would have that, but um, I wasn't sure that I was going to have to break the winch out. I thought, oh, I'll have someone pull me out. But so you need to really think about those things, and you need to be careful, be even more careful in the winter, because again, if I'd been stuck, if I'd been by myself, and I didn't have a winch, and I got stuck like that, I'd be walking, right, in the winter. So if I don't have the layers on, if I don't have those chemical hand warmers, if I don't have options to stay warm, I'd be in trouble. Um, again, luckily I had the winch. It took, you know, two minutes. I pulled myself right out. It, it was great. I love the winch. I'm very happy to have the winch. I am excited to continue to use the winch for years to come. Um, but make sure you have the right recovery gear, right? Make sure that you think about the situation. If you see an obstacle and you even have a little glimmer of hesitance about it, if you can avoid it, it may be best. And I know all the off-roaders, all the hardcore rock climbers are going, no, hit it, you know, just give it more throttle. But when you're overlanding, particularly when you're by yourself, danger is not what you want, right? Like taking risks is not the way to do it typically. Um, so anyways, keep that in mind. Make sure you've got the right recovery gear. Make sure if possible you go not by yourself, especially if you're going to be doing like more technical terrain or water crossings or things like that. Because if you break down out there in the winter, it's a totally different situation than in the spring, right? Um, so be, be cognizant of your recovery gear, be cognizant of where you are, let people know where you're going, go with other people if possible. Um, so the last kind of section here that I want to talk about is just during the day, activities and staying warm, right? That's one of the things that I think a lot of people don't really consider when they go on their first, let's say, two-day overlanding trip. Let's say you go for a weekend, right, and you leave Friday afternoon, and you get there, and you know, you drive most of the way, you're in your heated vehicle, you get out, you start a fire, um, you sit around the fire, you go to sleep, and then you wake up, and it's day two, it's Saturday, right? You've got from, let's say, 8 o'clock in the morning until 10, 11 o'clock at night, where you've got to stay warm, and unlike at home, where you could be like, man, I'm cold, I'm going to go inside, you can't really do that in the wilderness, right? You can, hypothetically, hop in your vehicle and turn on the heat, so again, if you're in a life and death situation, if you do not have the proper gear, um, again, back when I was newer to this a few years ago, there were nights where I was like, oh my gosh, it's 10 degrees, and I have a 30 degree bag, and that's it, and a tent, or a hammock. I was like, I'm going to die. <laughs> so in some of those situations, I had to just sit in the truck and just run the truck all night with the heat going. Um, it's not very comfortable. It's not great. It's, you know, it's just, it is what it is. But I made it through the night and then I went home the next day and it was fine. But um, I'm trying to help you guys avoid these situations that I put myself in before. Um, so things that you can do, again, the layers come into play here, right? During the day, having the layers on is definitely going to help you. That's step number one. Step number two is just staying busy right? Whether that is setting stuff up, whether it's cooking, whether it's um, a lot of the time is spent generally for me anyways, collecting firewood, processing firewood, keeping the fire going. Um, it's weird in the winter. If you, again, if you have been in the winter a million times, you know this, but if you haven't, fire works different in the winter. There's a couple of things about it. One, it's way harder to find firewood. Everything, especially if there's snow, right? Like, 
everything is covered. When we went, there was snow and everything was covered. And I'm, I'm literally walking around like kicking stuff and trying to find dead, you know, fallen dead stuff. Couldn't really find anything. Ended up finding a dead standing tree that was leaning on another one, cutting it down with a chainsaw and kind of cutting that up. Um, which was great. And that kept me warm. And that's one of those activities that can keep you going. Right. Um, but one of the things I realized even on this trip is I have an ax, I have a handsaw, I have a gas chainsaw. I have an electric chainsaw. I have tons of stuff, but I cut up this big tree and it was really dense, like really dense wood. And I get to the end and I do have like a little wedge style mall thing, like a splitter that you can, so you can basically, I hit it with the ax to put a little divot in it, put this splitter in it, and then use the other side of the ax to hammer it down into it. But it takes a ton of work just to even split a log once in half. It takes a ton of work, a ton of energy. It can wear you out. Um, I had a lot of shock traveling up through the handle, so it started to hurt my hand. So after a couple logs splitting, I was like, this is awful, you know? And so basically what we did was we burned whole logs. But in the winter especially, there's a lot of extra moisture in the air. There's moisture all over the ground. There's snow everywhere. The wood is like soaked with water and then it's frozen inside of the wood. Um, so it just doesn't burn the same. You don't get the same heat out of the fire that you do in summer or fall. Um, so one of those, the learnings from even this last trip that I went on just a couple days ago was I need a mall. I need something that is really easy to just go boom and just split the log. Split, split, split. Be able to quickly split those logs because when you split them, they get thinner, obviously, right? They burn better. Um, it gives you more wood from, you know, less work. So like burning an entire log is really inefficient, doesn't put out a lot of heat and doesn't last all that long because you're burning one big log. Um, versus if you split a log into four or six or eight pieces, um, then you have more fuel for the fire, more surface area, more fire, right? Um, but that can help you stay warm. So stay active. Go out on trails. So if you're if you're in an area that has you know some sort of trails and you know you're going to be there all day, plan for stuff. Plan to go out and, and explore a little bit, right? Like pack up that second morning, turn the heat on in the vehicle, get it going, get in there, warm yourself up all the way through. Warm your feet up, warm everything up make sure that you're good to go um and spend the day on the trails getting warm and stuff and then it's almost like friday night again right like you're restarting from like a warm base you're dried out you're warm you're ready to go you have fun around your campfire you drink some beers if you want you go to sleep restart the next day um that's typically how my trips go is where it will be a you know an all day of driving and hitting trails and stuff and then after that camping and then the next day you wake up, you pack everything up, you go hit trails all day, find a new spot, camp. That's kind of how I do it. But a lot of people like to just go and like find a spot and just stay for the weekend. So just trying to give you ideas for ways to stay busy and warm during the days because that can be a way that can really get you cold and wet and, and downtrodden, if you will. Um, so again, those are kind of the three things. Shelter and heat, recovery gear is important, letting people know where you are, and then just activities and staying warm during the day. Those are kind of the must-haves. Um, must think about, must consider before you go on your first winter overlanding trip. Um, so again, I hope that that was helpful for you guys. As always, I would love to hear from you guys in the comments. Go down below in the comments, post up, let me know what you think. Let me know what you guys have had experience with, other things to do during the day. I'm kind of boring. I like to sit around. I wear enough layers that I'm pretty comfortable. Sometimes I'll just read a book and just sit around a fire and mostly just process wood. So, but, so tell me what you guys do during the day to stay warm. Um, if you don't already, down in the description as well are links to Facebook, Instagram, the podcast if you're on YouTube, YouTube if you're on the podcast. Come and hang out. Subscribe other places. Wherever you guys like to hang out, come and hang out. I'd love to talk to you. Um, so again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah.